Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from socially distant locations at Lambeau Field. Wes, it's almost here. Saturday, 3.35 p.m. Central Time kickoff at Lambeau Field, the NFC Divisional Playoff between the Green Bay Packers and the Los Angeles Rams. We might as well get right into it. Keys to victory here for Green Bay. You want to start offensive side, defensive side, I'll let you pick. But what's it going to take for the Packers to come out victorious? First and foremost, not getting caught up in the narrative. And what I mean by that is there's been a lot of consternation about Aaron Donald. What what is his status going to be? What is he going to look like? Is he going to be the the Aaron Donald that everybody's accustomed to seeing, the Terminator that everyone's accustomed to seeing? And my, my best advice for that is don't pay attention to it. Aaron Donald is showing up on Saturday afternoon. He is going to be ready to play. And it was funny, this earlier this week, Mike, someone mentioned Insider Inbox, like, hey, you know, with him having the rib injury, does that mean they should maybe gear their game plan towards him? I'm like, if you ever find yourself in a position where you have to gear your game plan towards Aaron Donald, I don't think it's a very good game plan. Your What the Packers need to do is, as you've said multiple times, do what they do best and respect the opponent that they're going to see. Be prepared for the league's top defense, the league's top scoring defense. Be prepared for a unit that is going to challenge you, particularly in the in the trenches, in the line of scrimmage. If the Packers come out and respect Aaron Donald and understand the threat that he presents in, down in the front, I feel like Green Bay will be able to find its magic, be able to you know figure out where its offense needs to go to succeed and make those adjustments. And then whatever happens with Aaron Donald the rest of the way, that's up for the, the Los Angeles Rams to figure out. Yeah, and that's where I keep coming back to with this game, and you said it, is the do what you do best. And when I look at I look at the offensive side of the ball for the Packers, there are three things the Packers have done really, really well offensively to get to being the top-scoring offense in the league. They've protected the football, they've converted on third down, and they've scored touchdowns when they're in the red zone or the gold zone, whatever you want to call it. But, okay, here's the thing. Third down, the Packers are like second in the league in third down conversions, the conversion percentage. The Rams are third in the league in third down defense. That might end up kind of being a wash as you go through this game because both Packers offense, Rams defense, very, very good. But in turnovers and in red zone play, the Packers have a distinct advantage. Green Bay was plus seven, uh, I believe plus seven, yeah, Correct. in turnover margin through the regular season. The Rams were minus three. Now, to be minus in the turnover margin for a full regular season and still win 10 games, that doesn't happen very often. But if the Packers continue to protect the ball, you can't discount how important it was for the Rams to win the turnover battle in Seattle 2-0 to yeah. last week and knock off the team that was the division champ in their own division in the NFC West. As far as the red zone goes, Packers number one in the league, 80%. And it's been even higher than that during this winning streak to close out the regular season. The Rams, they're not bad in the red zone defensively, but 12th in the league. That's a pretty big discrepancy there, number one versus number 12, as far as the Packers offense versus the Rams defense. That's where Green Bay has an edge. You have to play to where you have your edge in the playoffs, and I think that's where this game can be decided for the Packers. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And the other aspect that I think you have to look at with Green Bay, too, and the way that their offense is built is they found ways to establish drives, to shorten ball games. And that's kind of been the blueprint for the Rams, too, in a lot of ways. I mean, they are number two to Green Bay's number one in time of possession. 
But last week, if I'm Matt LaFleur and this coaching staff and I'm looking at that footage from the Seattle game, I'm looking at that and going, you know what? The way the Rams played that for all the different problems that they had, the quarterback issues that they had, that was a pretty good blueprint. If you're looking at it, you're Sean McVay and you're saying, okay, I want to make a run. We want to win a Super Bowl with this team. They kind of set that out when the, with what they did against Seattle, and it's another reason why I think they have to be respected because, as you said, they won the turnover margin. That was huge. But what did they do with that turnover margin? It was yeah. Cam Akers then turning out all of these total yards, all of this production, being able to extend drives and, and find ways to control the clock. Yeah, he, you lost John Wolford, and John Wolford looked pretty good early on. Jared Goff has been limited how much of that's the thumb, how much of that is golf. We don't know, but the fact of the matter is, is the Packers, you talk about advantages, decided advantages, distinct advantages, advantage advantages. One of the things that plays into that is green Bay knows exactly who they are and what they need to do to win. They've done it all season long, Mike, to get to 13 and three. They have probably most likely the national football league's MVP at the most important position on the field where the Rams have some question marks going into this game, regardless of who they put out there. The fact that they haven't said it, the fact that, you know, we even have to ask about them saying it, it tells you that there are questions there. Green Bay doesn't have those questions. They need to have the answers on Saturday and show that the team that won the NFC regular season, that was the top seed. They can be the unit that goes out and carries that over into the postseason. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I'm with you with the, where you started the conversation about don't get caught up in the narrative. There are all kinds of potential distractions here, whether you're talking about Aaron Donald's injury, whether you're talking about Cooper cups injury, whether you're talking about the quarterback situation for the Rams, whether you're talking about Jalen Ramsey and all of his trash talking and what he might do to try to throw Devonte Adams off his game. Don't get caught up in any of those distractions. If you're the green Bay Packers, you have to do what you do. And to switch things to the defensive side of the ball, I think you and I are on the same page here. This all starts with clamping down on Cam Akers, the rookie running back, second-round pick out of Florida State. He's been a revelation for that Rams offense. He was he is exactly what the Rams offense did not have last year. The year before, they had Todd Gurley, Offensive Player of the Year. They went to the Super Bowl. Last year, the Rams didn't have this kind of a running game, and – there's so much of this offense, particularly with a quarterback like Goff, and I think Wolford falls into the same category. The play-action game is huge for these guys, yeah. and they are very, very effective as play-action passers. I, From what I've seen of the Rams, and I've been saying this all week, I think Jared Goff, if he's a straight drop-back passer, I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback, but I think he becomes a very ordinary quarterback in a straight drop-back passing game. If you clamp down on the run and take away the effectiveness of the play action and turn whoever's at quarterback for the Rams into a straight drop back passer without that play action game, I think that completely plays to Green Bay's advantage. Well, let's go back in the archives. Let's go back to the multiple seasons of Packers Unscripted, the Wes Hodkowitz let's be real moment of the week. Let's bring it back. Let's talk about it for a second. The let's be real moment of the week is there was a reason why John Wolford fit what Sean McVay wanted to do offensively and why they felt okay about him if they didn't have Jared Goff because he also is a guy that has some mobility to him and he can thrive in a play action type scheme but everything that McVay does and even to some extent what Green Bay does with wanting to establish the run it has to start in that first and second quarter it has to begin with being able to sort of impose your will and allow your quarterback to adapt off that 
that that's when golf becomes dangerous. Jared Goff is 11. I think it's 111 passer rating in two games, I believe against green Bay. I mean, he has had respectable performances and it's been built on explosive, making, taking advantage of explosive plays, opportunistic uh, happenings in the game, and also just being able to establish the run. Cam Akers is a guy I've been, I've loved since the draft. He's been one of my favorite guys on the board. I drafted him in my own fantasy football league and he was there the entire season. I mean, I just felt like when push came to shove, even though they, they worked with Henderson for a while, and obviously Malcolm Brown has been there for a few years, it felt like Akers is where this thing was trending. And when they finally, you know, kind of took the reins off and just let him go, you saw the impact he made. Now, that being said, he's not a wunderkind. I mean, he's not this guy that's just going to be a, a, you know, you can't stop him. You know, like we were looking at with, with Derrick Henry last month, he was held to 34 care, 34 yards on 21 carries. There are answers for him, but the Seattle Seahawks did not have those right. in the wild card round. And it bit them, man. I mean, that was ultimately as much as the turnovers hurt the fact that they couldn't solve the first and second downs and end up being in multiple manageable situations. That's why the Rams were able to move the ball as well as they did. Yeah, and when you look at the Packers right now defensively, we've been talking about it for the last several weeks. The Packers' run defense is in a very different place than it was earlier in the season and a very different place than it was in the postseason last year. We've talked about that 57-yard run by David Montgomery on the Chicago Bears' first handoff of the game back in Week 12, that Sunday night game at Lambeau Field. That's what that's been a turning point for this Packers run defense because since that 57 yard run by Montgomery, opposing running backs over the last six games have averaged only 3.9 yards per carry against Green Bay. That's all that the opposing running backs have been able to do in in a, essentially traditional run game situations. The Packers will take that any day of the week, and that's what it's going to take to try to take away this this uh, this play action game of the Rams and then to further the point I was making earlier about the red zone okay the um it's interesting you look at the statistics Wes the Rams red zone offense 57.9% the Packers red zone defense 57.7% that's almost identical yeah. in, ter- in in terms of those percentages if the Packers can play to that now, and, and just to tell you those percentages being identical, the Packers defensively eighth in the league, the Rams offensively 19th in the league, right? The Packers have an edge there the and, yep. and, and the Packers red zone defense has been better down the stretch these last three or four games than it was earlier in the season as well. So again, that's another thing. I, I see both of these teams being able to move the ball between the 20 yard lines. I think both of these offenses, the, the coach, the coaches are creative. There's playmakers on both sides. But when the ball gets inside the 20-yard line, this game comes down to, are you going to score touchdowns or are you going to settle for field goals? And I think that's where the Packers have to win this game. Yeah, and I don't want to get into the whole bend, or break, bend but don't break, easy for me to say, Sure. Uh, mentality stuff. But I thought one of the things that Dom Capers didn't get nearly enough credit for was the fact that the Packers were exceedingly good in the red zone throughout his tenure. They were, when they were at their best, it was when they rose up and and answered in that area of the field. The problem ultimately became down the stretch, just too many explosive plays. Well, you look at what Petten has done this year. Mike Petten has done this year with his unit. Packers have not had very many explosive plays, especially with the deep passing game. They've been able to curtail that. And while there have been instances, mostly in the first half of the season where teams move the ball a little too much, probably for green Bay's liking, 
Green Bay in the last six, seven weeks has really, as I've said before, and gotten some people making fun of me, batting down the hatches. I'm going to say <laughs> it again in that area, because here's the thing, Mike, we've seen it time and time again. You can pull out multiple examples of past Packers games. There is a huge difference between three and seven, seven. And it, 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 it changes the complexion of the game. Just look at that matchup against Chicago too. And in the fact that the bears weren't able to punch some of those in and the way it changed things. So that's where this comes back to me for green Bay, being able to finish eighth in that category and also have that uptick the second half of the season that bodes. Well, it shows that guys are on their assignments. They're being able to, to, to have their containment, protect their edges, Chris Barnes is crashing down into gaps. He's staying clean. The, the cornerbacks aren't making foolish mistakes, getting too handsy with, with the receivers. They're all those type of things that play into playing 11-man solid red zone defense, and the Packers need to be able to bring that against the Rams. Yeah, and you mentioned like the Bears game for the Packers was a really good example. They did give up the one deep ball over the top, about a 50-plus yard play, whatever it was, but then the defense rose up and forced a field goal attempt. When defensively, we've talked about this a lot, when you when you do give up an explosive play, when you can recover from that and not let it lead to a touchdown, you're fine. You know, th- yeah. those those don't hurt you as much, and, and you know, that's uh, – that's certainly an area the Packers have improved on in 2020, I thought, as, as the year has gone along. The other thing I think you just have to be ready for, and this is where I think these last couple of games have, have been good for the Packers in terms of you have to be ready to handle momentum swings in these playoff games, that things are going to swing wildly back and forth. You look back at the Rams and the Seahawks in the wild card round last weekend when Darius Williams got that pick six which I believe was the Rams' fourth pick six of the season, if you can believe that. I mean, that's really impressive. So, again, we're not stressing the uh, turnover thing too much here as we go into this. But it just felt like Seattle never recovered from that momentum swing. When the Rams got that pick six, took it to the house, it just felt like the Rams were in control of the game the rest of the way. And these last couple weeks, the Packers have gotten off to a fast start against Tennessee. Tennessee climbs back in, but then the Packers regain control and finish it. Same thing kind of happened in Chicago. You have to be able to handle those momentum swings and snatch it back when, when you have those opportunities. I think the Packers have done a good job of that. They have to continue to do a good job of that in the playoffs. Yeah, and, and, and this is such this is going to be a momentum game, Mike. I mean, you've seen it already. I, that stat was brought out to me, and I haven't corroborated it yet, so I hope I'm not spouting false knowledge, but that stat that one of the readers brought up about Sean McVay and his teams, their record in the second half when they lead at halftime. Right. I think they threw it out at 37 to nothing. I I don't know if that's factually true, but it is startling when you look at that type of production and you, and you follow the Rams enough the last few years, you understand the way they play and why they've been successful with Sean McVay as their head coach. And that's played into it. The fact that they can shorten games, the fact that they can take the momentum and if they get it, they'll seize it. They'll hold on to it. And they have veteran players now that have been in the system for three, four years that understand what their role is in those instances. Green Bay, I thought that's where they've made the big jump this year and year two underneath Matt LaFleur. Last year, the construction was there. The foundation had been built. But it was everybody still settling into it, understanding what is being required of them. This year, they do. Aaron Rodgers playing faster. The running backs seeing their lanes and and understanding the wide zone scheme and what the Packers are looking for there. And then, ultimately, the passing game with Devontae Adams doing Devontae Adams things. And then you got your Robert Tunyons of the world stepping up and making huge contributions when I think expectations are rather modest for him going into the season. 
that's where this team to me is different than the 13 and three team a year ago. And it's why I feel like this game at Lambeau field with green Bay having a full week and a half extra time to, to get ready for this in the Rams, making a flight back to LA practicing in LA weather and also coming out here on a short week with dealing with the injuries that they are. Everything points to green Bay, but that doesn't matter if you don't show up on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, you've got to play your game. Absolutely, you you have to be able to do that. Well, before we go, I do want to get your thoughts, Wes, on the other divisional games. I've always considered this, you know, maybe the best weekend of NFL football of the entire year when you're down to the final eight, four in each conference. The other one in the NFC, of course, is the NFC South showdown. Showdown number three of this season between Tom Brady's Buccaneers and Drew Brees' Saints. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? It's funny when everybody was uh, talking about Brady moving over to the NFC, I think these are the type of matchups that people started salivating over right mm -hmm. away. Right. I mean, they wanted to be able to see uh primetime Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, those type of matchups happen before the Super Bowl Cause everybody's going to watch the Super Bowl. And then as it brought out and you and I were discussing this over the weekend, as we were setting our schedules and trying to figure out, okay, when, where the Packers are going to play, when you knew it was going to be Brady versus Breeze, that thing's going in prime time. You and I had a ticket booked towards an afternoon football game on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. And and here we are, lo and behold. And the, both of these teams, though, they just didn't dominate all year. They had to kind of work through some things. They have had their moments. And this is sort of in a lot of ways like that rubber match uh, between the two understanding, okay, who's won, who's lost. Certainly the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have something to prove in this game, but at the same time, I, I just look at New Orleans, and this is what it's all about. Uh, everybody knows what their salary cap situation is like for next season. It's not pretty. Uh, they invested heavily into winning a Super Bowl this year. They got healthy. Breeze is back. Michael Thomas is back. And their defense uh, has been able to maintain uh, an air of dominance here that I think uh, some people were wondering a couple years ago if they were going to be able to do that. So it's a great matchup in that regard. And then certainly from Tom Brady's perspective, you look at the way he's played over the last month and a half as he's settled in the Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich's scheme. Um, it's going to be fireworks. It's going to be an absolute uh, banger of a game that I hope you and I uh, on Sunday afternoon are going to be eager to watch for, you know, Packers ramifications. Yeah, you just you, th this this is a heck of a matchup, and and you just wonder. Here, here's the one thing I'll say with regard to the Saints, because you're right, they've they've gone all in. They know that Drew Brees is nearing the end, possibly at the at the very end here, if he if he retires in the off season. You wonder what the psyche of this Saints team is going to be if they are in a close game down the stretch, because they lost the Minneapolis miracle. You know, they lost on the bad call to the Rams in the NFC championship game that one year. They lost in overtime to the Vikings again last year in the wild card round. They've they've got some nightmares. They've got some demons to exercise here and uh, and to do it against a division rival and with a with a matchup like Drew Brees against Tom Brady. Um, yeah, it's it's absolutely going to be one to watch. Um, this, Mike, I want to mention this too. This tells yeah. you how precious these moments are as well, because over the last decade. I would challenge anyone to debate me on this. Green Bay and New Orleans have been the cream of the crop uh, in the NFC. I mean, they are the most consistent, viable title contenders in all those regards, but yet they haven't made it back to the Super Bowl. Right. Um, you've had, I'm not calling them fleeting, you know, moments or flashes in the pans, but you saw Seattle pop up and you saw, 
you know, San Francisco and New York a little bit. And, and certainly Philly won a Philly won a championship too. Philly, Atlanta getting there yep. and now San Francisco getting back again, but it's been green Bay and new Orleans. It's been Rogers and breeze. And uh, again, I'm not looking ahead. We'll have to see how this weekend plays out, but if it comes down to Rogers versus breeze for a spot to go back to the super bowl, uh, those those storylines will write themselves. In addition to the yeah. fact that if it would end up being Rodgers versus Brady, I get that too. But the the Packers and, and Saints and their administrations, their brass, have kept themselves in this hunt uh, for a decade in a league that stresses yeah. parity. That's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. On the AFC side, Baltimore is at Buffalo. Cleveland is at Kansas City. Um, I, I, the, the, the Baltimore-Buffalo game really, really intrigues me, because, especially because of what we saw last week from Baltimore, where Tennessee was kind of having their way early. Their offense was getting things going. They got a couple scores. They got up 10 to nothing. And then all of a sudden, here come the Ravens. It was like, it was like this, this train started cranking up, coming down the tracks, and then, and then Tennessee could not stop it. Um, and, you know, Baltimore will probably try to use that, that same type of formula. I mean, Josh Allen, he's probably going to be able to come out and drive the bills down the field on the first possession of the game and, and get some points on the board. But can you do, can you play like that for four quarters against a defense like Baltimore's and then, you know, try to contain the, the singular most unique, nobody's like him quarterback in the NFL in Lamar Jackson, yeah. this, uh, um, th- this, this game, this game from a matchup standpoint is really, really intriguing. It's fantastic. And in the other aspect of this too, Mike, you and I all week were asked from people, you know, Hey, the NFC, you know, they, they have a bunch of older quarterbacks and the AFC has a bunch of younger quarterbacks. Uh, what do you make of that? Well, what I make of it is you're seeing Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, who by all accounts are going to be guys that are going to give the National Football League a lot of problems for the next decade in one shape or form. They are they are two of the guys I think really stood out. And then you have Baker Mayfield over in Cleveland too. The, those recent draft classes that have produced this talent in the AFC, now you're trying to see, okay, other than Patrick Mahomes, the reigning MVP of the league, who was you know, drafted a few years ago too, yeah. can any of these young guys guide a team to a Super Bowl? To a, to a ring, you know, much like Aaron Rodgers did a decade ago when, when he got that opportunity. That, that's what I'm looking for in this matchup. And for Buffalo, as I, I'm going to say that I'm going to echo the same thing I said last week uh, going into that game, is that they are a team that has been building towards this moment. It hasn't been an overnight success story. It's been a long, gradual process finding their quarterback, finding their defense even before that. Mm -hmm. And now here they are. They're going up against the Ravens. And for the Ravens, as you mentioned earlier this week, a chance to exercise some demons from last year as well. So it's going to be a very compelling matchup. Yeah, the other one in the AFC, Cleveland, is at Kansas City. Just like we wrote it up at the beginning of the year. Yeah, exactly. Well, I I give the Cleveland Browns a heck of a lot of credit for getting getting this far. They've certainly dealt with, uh, you know, what they had to deal with last week. Uh, with the COVID issues and the coaching staff, and then they go on the road to a division rival at Pittsburgh and and uh, and you know blow them out of their own yard, so to speak. But I just don't know if Cleveland's defense can really hang in there against Patrick Mahomes in this Kansas City offense. I think this Chiefs offense it just it feels like it's it feels like it's too much for what Cleveland has on the defensive side of the ball. And Baker Mayfield, he probably is going to really enjoy and have a lot of fun in a shootout maybe with Patrick Mahomes, 
but I just, uh, I, I think the Chiefs offense is too much in this game. Yeah, I get so many 2011 Packers vibes uh, from Kansas City's offense. Not saying that they're even remotely similar, but just in terms of their production and the way they've gone about that this year. They, they were Super Bowl champions. They succeeded. They thrived. And here they come right back and, and they're, every, they're up in everybody's business again. And Mahomes certainly doing what he's done at his age is just remarkable. But for the Browns perspective, the great thing about this is that I mean, dude, they've won the lottery already. They, they, they've, they've been able to get back to the postseason for the first time in 18 years. They've won a playoff game now for the first time in 26 years, right? They now are in a position where they're playing with house money and you're going up against the best team that everybody's had in their power rankings all season long. What do you have to lose? So yeah, to mention your Baker Mayfield thing there, I would totally embrace this. I I wish the best of luck to Cleveland's defense trying to find a way to, to, yeah. to find the answers here, but for Mayfield, for Stefanski, for Alex Van Pelt, who was calling plays last week, this is go go have fun, see what happens, make a miracle happen. I don't know what the line is like on this game, but you know, I, I just feel like the Cleveland Browns, for everything they've been through last year, everybody thinking it was going to be their year. This year, everybody jumped off the hype train. Yeah. It was it wasn't fun to talk about the Browns anymore. It was last year was about the Browns. We got to find our next team that we're going to overestimate. And here you are. They're right back in this thing. And they're they're really become the team that I think everybody felt they could, you know, since the day that Baker Mayfield became a Cleveland Brown. Yeah. Well, it should be a whale of a weekend of NFL football, the divisional playoffs, two games Saturday, two games Sunday. It starts with Packers Rams at Lambeau Field, 335 PM on Saturday afternoon. With that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of Saturday's big playoff game on Packers.com. For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.